Chapter Nine of Seeing Things at Night. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Chenever. Seeing Things at Night by Haywood Brune. The Library of a Lover. The responsibilities of a book reviewer, always heavy, sometimes assume a gravity which makes it quite impossible for them to be borne on any single pair of shoulders. We have received a letter to-day, upon which so much depends, that we hesitate to answer without requesting advice from readers. It is from a young man in Pittsburgh, who identifies himself merely by the initials X.Q., which we presume to be fictitious. He writes as follows, quote, as a reader of the book columns of the Tribune, I am humbly requesting your assistance in the matter of a little experiment that I desire to perform. I find myself highly enamored of a superlatively attractive young lady who has, however, one apparent drawback to me. That lies in the fact that she has never cultivated a taste for really worthwhile reading. Such reading to me is one of the greatest of life's pleasures. Now, my idea is this, that this reading taste may be developed by the reading of a number of the best books in various lines. I have decided upon an experiment wherein a list of fifty books shall be furnished by you, and a serious attempt made by the young lady to read them. When she has completed this reading, I shall ask her to make a thoroughly frank statement as to whether a reading habit has been cultivated which will enable her to enjoy good literature. I would appreciate very much your furnishing me a list of fifty of the very best books which you consider suitable for the experiment which I have in mind. The lady in question has read but little, but has completed the regulation high school course, and in addition has taken two years at one of the recognized girl schools of the country. Obviously, the making of such a list involves a responsibility which we do not care to assume. We do not like to risk the possibility that our own particular literary prejudices might rear a barrier between two fond hearts. After all, as someone has said, fond hearts are more than Conrad's. However, we do venture the suggestion that if the young man's intentions are honorable, Fifty books is far too great a number for the experiment which he has in mind. We have known many a young couple to begin life with no possession to their name but a common fondness for the poems of W. E. Henley. We have known others to marry on Kipling and repent on Shaw. Of course, it would be a great deal easier for us to advise the young man if we knew just what sort of wife he wanted. If she likes Dombey and Son and Little Dorrit, it seems to us fair to assume that she will be able to do a little plain mending and some of the cooking. On the other hand, if her favorite author is May Sinclair, we rather think it would be well to prepare to provide hired help from the beginning. Should she prefer Eleanor H. Porter, we think there would be no danger in telling the paper hangers to do the bedroom in pink. After all, if she is a thoroughgoing follower of Pollyanna and the Glad Game, you don't really need any wallpaper at all. It would still be her duty to be glad about it. But we are afraid that some of this is frivolous and beside the point, 
and we assume that the young man truly wants serious advice to help him in the solution of his problem. Since marriage is at best a gamble, we advise him earnestly not to compromise his ardor with any dreary round of fifty books. Let him chance all on a single volume. And what shall it be? Personally, we have always been strongly attracted by persons who liked Joan and Peter, but we know that there are excellent wives and mothers who find this particular novel of Wells dreary stuff. There are certain dislikes which might well serve as green signals of caution. A young man, we think, should certainly go slow if she does not like an island voyage or Virginibus Puerisque, or the ebb tide or sentimental Tommy. He should take thought and ask himself repeatedly, is this really love, if she confesses a distaste for Tono Bungay, or far from the madding crowd, or Caesar and Cleopatra, and if she can find no interest in Conrad in quest of his youth, or Mary Oliver, or Huckleberry Finn, let him by all means stipulate a long engagement. But if she dislikes Alice in Wonderland, let the young man temporize no more. It is then his plain duty to tell her that he has made a mistake, and that what he took for love was no more than the passing infatuation of physical passion. End of chapter 9 Recording by Phil Chenevere